Morning, everyone. I certainly hope that there will be a lot of racing to the different thanks, Hand. For the different signups right after the service. And in fact, speaking of races, just raise your hand if you have ever run the Comrades Marathon. Just one person. Wow, okay. Well, I guess the rest of us have a lot of uh, imagining to do, because I want to start off with some wild imagination. And imagine all of us here are lining up for the 2022 edition of the Comrades Marathon. And if you don't know what the Comrades Marathon is, it's, a, it's an ultra-marathon race of about 90 kilometers. I don't know why people do it, but nevertheless... You've trained hard, you've prepared well, and you go off. I mean, there's no drama along the race. You finish. But as they do that, as you finish, there is an announcement that is made. Hey, this year we have decided to change the rules. And everyone is getting a gold medal. Now, you must understand that there's only 20 gold medals that are given at the Comrades Marathon. Ten for the... First women, uh, rather, 10 for the first 10 women and 10 for the first 10 men. But they announced that we are giving out gold medals to all 25,000 of you. And the winning time is being allocated to everyone, whether you've done that in six hours or in 12 hours. What do you think would happen? There would be an outcry, right? It's outrageous. It's, it's unfair. On those who have practiced, who have trained hard, and have gone on to win, and actually have done so very well on that day. It's unfair. It, it, it's a scandal. And I'm sure it would tarnish the very uh, image, history, legacy of the Comrades Marathon. Now, thankfully... I don't think they would ever do that. But the reason why I started with such a wild story is because if you are here and you're a believer, you are also running an ultramarathon that has similarly bizarre outcomes. It's a marathon that has no entry requirements other than faith. You don't need prior experience. You don't need any credentials. And when you cross the finish line, everyone gets the same prize. And it's prized with a capital P because it's not a thing, it's a person. It's an absolute scandal. It's the scandal of grace. It is God's race of faith. And you're not competing against anyone. You're not competing against any clock. You're competing against your tendency to wander off and not run. You're competing against your tendency to be distracted. You're competing against your tendency to sit by the sidelines and just be a spectator. You're competing against your tendency to give up, to throw in the towel 
and say this is too difficult and abandon the race. If you are a believer this morning, I want to ask you the question, where are you in the race of faith? Now, some of you are running well. You're running at a steady pace. Some of you have started walking because perhaps you are going uphill, it's difficult, or you're going through very rough terrain. Some of you have stopped because it's, it's just, you're just too exhausted. It's tiring. Some of you have forgotten that you're even running the race because you've been distracted by some other thing that you feel is more exciting and interesting. Some of you are disillusioned. You're thinking of abandoning the race. Where are you this morning on the race of faith? The Bible has plenty to say. And God is always calling us to keep running and to finish well. Because it's not important how you start, it's important how well you finish. God calls us to finish strong. So let's see what the Bible says this morning about running this race. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, beginning from verse 1. It reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I'll be honest that when I first read Hebrews chapter 12 many years ago, I was convinced that the witnesses that are being referred to here are people that have died, they're in heaven, and all they spend their time doing is looking at us here on earth and cheering us on to finish the race. Now, I've since come to appreciate that context is very important when interpreting Scripture. Because the witnesses that are being mentioned here are those who have proven by their life stories, they have proven by their testimony, by their witness, that the life of faith is the only way to live. They witness to us that God is faithful. Put your trust in Him. Keep running to the very end. Some of these are found in the preceding chapter in Hebrews 11. Great names like, like Noah and Abraham and Moses and many, many others who ran their race and finished strong. They faced challenges. They were mistreated and persecuted. They were rejected. They suffered intense uh, loss, experienced grief and disappointment. But they had the conviction that God is able to deliver on his promises. And they kept running. Yeah. 
So to enjoy in this race, we draw inspiration from those that have gone before us, that have finished their race. And in fact, we do this, we do this all the time. I mean, remember or think of the first time that you wrote a very difficult exam or the time that you went on your first date or you were about to become a mother or a father for the first time. You were about to get married. You were perhaps going in for a major surgery, starting a new job, starting a new business, relocating city or country, and you were unsure how that would pan out, right? But you encouraged yourself because you said, you know what, I'm not the only one who's ever done this. There are others that have done this, and they did okay. I can do this. The heroes of faith are not only found in Hebrews chapter 11 or even just in Scripture. Throughout church history, there are men and women who have persevered because they have believed that God is able, that God is willing, that God can deliver on His promises. You and I know family and friends that have gone ahead, that persevered and ran their race and finished it. And one who comes to mind immediately is Sheshi Kaniki. Some of you may know Sheshi. Sheshi was one of the founding elders in this church, in God First. And in 2012, having served many years in God First, him and his family went back to his home country of Tanzania to plant a church. God's tribe. In 2020, Sheshi was diagnosed with an aggressive form of brain cancer. In October last year, Sheshi passed away. Now, we would ordinarily use the very horrible phrase, he lost the battle to cancer. Not Sheshi. The inscription on his tombstone right now in Dar es Salaam reads, God never loses a battle. This is a battle won and a race finished. Undefeated. Victorious faith that is worthy of a standing ovation in heaven. This is a life that wasn't wasted. I have finished the race. I have done everything God gave me to do. Now, if faith is the currency of this race, then it is important that we go to the very source of the currency. Because you need faith to enter the race, you are sustained by faith throughout the race, and it is faith that gets you over the finish line. And so we're not just drawing inspiration from those that have gone before us. No, the writer says, draw your inspiration as well by looking to Jesus, the author of your faith, the source of the faith. He's not just the source of the faith, he's the very object of our faith. Hebrews 11 describes or defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, we can trust Jesus with our tomorrow. We can trust him with our eternity. 
because he is faithful. And we're told to look to him because he is also the greater example. He endured the, the rejection, the humiliation, the shame of the cross, dying a horrible death as if he was a convicted criminal. He has gone before us. We look to him. We emulate his great example of enduring through to the end. Jesus never flinched from the assignment that his father had given him. Now, to look to Jesus means you are also looking away from other things. Things that distract you from the race, from the mission. And to... Because in life there are these things, that the writer says you must lay aside every weight. You know, I've been to a number of the men's hikes that I held at God First annually. I've been to several of them. And the, the advice is always the same. Pack wisely. Pack smart. Do not pack heavy things, like tinned foods. Don't take too many spare clothes. Don't pack too many gadgets. Don't carry too many books to read. Why? Because it all slows you down. When you're on such a long hike, multi-day hike, you need to be as light as possible. Otherwise, the weight will slow you down. It will drain you of the energy that you need to be walking and climbing. But the writer here is not saying pack smart for this race. He's saying lay aside every weight. Because there are things in our lives that weigh us down. They slow us down on this race. They slow our spiritual progress. The question to you this morning is, what have you been unwilling to lay aside? That has actually resulted in you being a weaker runner on the race of Christ. Is it a relationship perhaps that is not helping you draw closer to Jesus? Is it possessions that you value too much is it something that is of such pleasure to you that it's consuming your time and you cannot spend time with Jesus? Is it the pursuit of achievement that has got you distracted? I call on you this morning to do a lifestyle audit. Ask yourself of everything you do. Does this help or does this hinder? Does this help me run for Jesus. It's quite simple if we are willing to face up to the answers or the truth. Now, the fact that the writer says, lay aside every weight and sin leads me to conclude that the things that hinder us are not necessarily sinful. Because there is sin that hinders. 
And I'm not here to berate anyone for any specific sin. But here's what I will say. Sin depletes the power you need for the race. Why? Because sin grieves the Holy Spirit. He is not some spiritual force. He is a person. He is a third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Sin grieves him and it quenches his work. It quenches his work. In other words, it's almost like taking a bucket and just throwing it off a fire to kill his work. The race of faith is not like the Comrades Marathon or some Olympic marathon where it solely depends on you. How well you've prepared, how well you've trained, how well you perform on the day. No, this is a race you need the help of another. And that another is the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God to run this race. But sin depletes the power you need. That's why the writer says, get rid of it. Now, hindrances or heavy weights and sin, they distract us, they hinder. But Jesus remained focused on the goal and the task that the Father had assigned him, the journey to the cross. And we're told that he endured because, he, because of the joy that was set before him. There was a joy that was set before Jesus. What was that joy? I think it was the joy of the Father raising him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the joy of glorifying his Father by completing the task that he had done. It was the joy of knowing that once he had humbly obeyed his Father, he would be exalted to the highest place above anything else in this world. He would be seated at the right hand of God, of the throne of God, a place of honor, a place of authority. But not only that, it was the joy that was set before him that if you're a believer, you and I would be called his brothers and sisters because we have now been included into the family of God. The joy set before him. Now, for us to endure, I want to believe that there has to be a joy that is also set before us. A joy that surpasses all other joys that this world can throw at us. What is the joy that is set before you, that keeps you running, that keeps you enduring? What is your joy? If your joy is simply to get into heaven, I would contend that your joy is too weak. Listen to this quote from theologian and pastor and author from the U.S. called John Piper. He says, Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. And people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. 
It's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want to, if, if we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. The joy that is set before us is not heaven. Christ is the ultimate joy. He is our prize, capital P. He is the promise. We endure because we long to be with Jesus. And if you're sitting here and you've believed the lie that, you know what, it doesn't matter what religion you belong to or which God you believe because, you know what, at the end of the day, all roads lead to the same God and all I need is just to show good enough behavior and I will earn my entry into heaven. Let me tell you something. You will not be there. You will not be there. But the Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. The reason why God did it, the reason why Christ obeyed and endured the cross is because he wanted to be with you. There is an invitation of God if you have not already put your faith in Christ. So how do we ensure Christ remains our ultimate joy? By ensuring that our affections for Christ remain red hot. Because red hot affections for Christ have the power to loosen the grip of sin on our lives. They have the power to displace affections for things that hinder us from Him. And we need to be continually persuaded that Jesus is indeed, as the book of Hebrews is all about, that Jesus is indeed better than everything else. Christ hasn't made it difficult for us to discover how beautiful and how majestic He is. He is painted on every single page of Scripture, of this Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Christ. And so become a lover of the Bible if you want red-hot affections for Jesus. And if you find that reading the Bible is boring and dry, the reason is you have excluded the Holy Spirit from the pages of the Bible because He is the one who illuminates Christ for us. Now, you may be running the race. You're in your lane. That lane is determined by God. According to who you are, according to the gift is given, according to what he has called you to do. But we don't run that race alone. I am running this race with you. And so on this race, we, we come alongside one another with people that come and cheer us on, that continue to remind us of the, the glorious finish 
that we have in Christ. They come alongside us and lovingly call us out when we don't want to run and we would rather just wander off and do something else. They come alongside us and they, they nurse our hurts, our wounds, our injuries, so that God can heal us and we get up and we continue running. They remind us of the prize that is ahead. That is the purpose of our growth groups in this, in this church. It's the purpose of growth groups in this church. And if you, you knew and you don't quite know what growth groups, you know, maybe other familiar terms, home groups, cell groups, connect groups, life groups, it's the same thing. Running together on this race towards the finishing line because we all want to finish strong. Now, this is a race. He says it's a race that's marked out for us. We don't determine the course of the race. We don't determine whether this race goes through mountains or through valleys. God does. So we don't complain when the race goes through places that we don't want, that we don't like. We have not been called to stand on the side and just watch others run. We have not been called to just meander through life in the hope that somehow we make it to the end. We press on. We don't give up. As Paul says to the, the church in Philippi, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you've ever run a race, a runner's race, whether it's a 5K, a 10K, 21K, 42K, or the comrades, or you've ever been, or you've cycled the 94.7 through Joburg, I am certain that when you cross the finish line, most of us are not concerned with what position we have come, what number was I. No, no, no. You celebrate the fact that you've finished the race. So this morning I say to you, let us, it's the reason why we had this series, let us run the race, let's endure and finish well and finish strong for the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ.